Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Yeah. I had to fail. This is the final word daily. Adam Collins and Daniel Norcross for Advanced Hair Studio, the champions in hair restoration. Daniel I've said this a few times in this series. Try summing that up in 30 seconds. Oh, crikey. <laughs> um, New Zealand were presented with a really terrible plan by England of Jamie Overton bowling short pitch filth for the first part of the day and capitalised on it. Then lost their last three wickets to Jack Leach with a bit of guile and some amazing catches. Then succumbed to Trent Bolt's unbelievably brilliant spell of bowling to become 55 for six at one point. And then we saw an epic and most extraordinary partnership, uh, a runner ball that's taken England to within 64 runs. And they still got four wickets in hand. I can't make any sense of it. Uh, That's probably more than 30 seconds, but thank God we've got about a quarter of an hour now to go through it. I can see the playing mantis, Jeremy Coney, (laughs) slinking behind us in shot, if you're wondering who that man is. Just the man who led New Zealand to their first series victory here in 1986. No big deal. Uh, Johnny Besto, uh, he is back in business in 2022, isn't he? His fourth test ton in this calendar year, averaging about 65. I genuinely believe, and look, I know there's a little bit of recency bias here. That's one of the best test innings I've seen. I mean, yeah. and it might be one of the best I put on Twitter this century. The degree of difficulty, 55 for six, you mentioned that. That was in the 12th over. I mean, in the madness yeah. of today, honestly. And it could have easily been 60-odd for seven when Overton was lucky not to be given out leg before when they elected not to review a Wagner shout. Um, and then with a bloke on Testaboo, Jamie Overton, they've added... 209 in 223 <laughs> balls. They made 173 in 29 overs at 5.97 in the final session without losing a further wicket. But the way that Bairstow had to come in against Trent Bolt, I mean, Trent Bolt, that spell was, he knocked over England's first three. Uh, Lees, then Pope, then Crawley, all in single digits. Stumps everywhere. There's some stat about it being the yep. first time for 120 it's, years. Explain that. It's the first time anyone has bowled out uh, three batters uh, and inside the first eight overs of a match since 1902 when Jack Saunders did it in the famous oval test match that we were talking about last yes, time because yes. we were looking at fastest hundreds mm. and, uh, and Johnny Bairstow again incidentally that was a Gilbert Jessup game and George Lohman is the only other man to have done that he did it against South Africa in I think 1888 he did it all the time he did it all the time yes yeah. so, <laughs> the batting wasn't quite as good then it was a terrific spell of bowling it was brilliant the Crickviz database had it down as the toughest spell most challenging spell of bowling in their database going mm. back to 2006 there are some pretty damn good bowlers and some damn good spells and some damn good spells in the, in the last 16 years it was measurably brilliant and what made Bairstow's 100 so superb was that you might say when he came in at number five didn't he when he came in at number five after about six overs or something tough. well it was, it was yeah. inside that the first eight in the sixth over because three three guys yeah. had been castled so you know he's he's facing that new ball and it's swinging and we know that he's had a vulnerability to straight balls I mean, he knows that too he's not averaging a great deal against the straight ball yep. and the stumps were being targeted and he then unfurled I, I yeah i think you're right i think it might be 
the best hundred I've seen live. I wasn't here for Stokes's one. I was here for Stokes. I'm reluctant to say the best, and I don't want people to get yeah. angry in the comments pointing to 12 no. Rat Collie hundreds. My point yeah. is simply that this was extremely special because of the degree of difficulty. It's not only because of the, the run rate yeah. that he went out and or the, the fact situation. that he was doing it with Jamie Oberson on Test to Boot. Matt's situation, what he was up against with Bolt, and then Wagner too, by the way. Mm. Wagner takes a wicket with his second and fifth deliveries after missing the first and second Test matches. Nearly has a triple wicket maiden when going up for a league before shout from the final ball of that first over. It is all happening. Every ball's an event. And Bairstow somehow, with a counter-attacking effort, remember, you know, his career wasn't only at the crossroads this time last year. Many people doubted whether he could seriously compete at this level anymore. He'd gone six years between tons at home until last week. His last century at home was actually here, I think, if memory serves me correctly, back in 2016. There was something about the moving ball and his stumps and his front pad. The combination of that proved him to be at times borderline unselectable and I know the the narrative online is that oh, he should have played the whole way through and that he's a brilliant cricketer he could have been an all-time great if he wasn't mismanaged there is some truth to that with respect to his wicket keeping and where he's batted in the order but let's not rewrite history here he was a very ordinary test player he averaged 20 for the previous three years or something ridiculous until he was well, recalled this year what he was really struggling to do was to a chop and change between white ball and red ball was not it? unreasonably so yeah That's not hard un to do. exactly not unreasonably he's, he's a streak player as well it was i think it was 2016 when he he scored more runs than any other wicket keeper has scored in a calendar year yeah. um and then he was uh, he's, he was finding he was getting so leg side of the ball that he was getting bowled too often and of course in test cricket that gets found out and the red ball keeps on moving for longer and skillful bowlers will get you out but what he's what he's managed to do in the in this year but also i think on an extra level now with mccullum is he's been encouraged to say, right, what is your strength as a cricketer? Well, my, my strength is I'm a great white ball batter. And he's batted like a great white ball batter, but against the red ball for the last two innings. And it's been superb. I mean, his first 50 was like watching the first 50 you might compile in a one-day international, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, and he didn't hit sixes. So like at the Trent Bridge, it was, you know, hit the ball into the crowd. You were asking you to, to hit it in the air, not along the ground. This time, everything was along the ground. And it was deft. I mean, there were shots that made you purr. There were late cuts. There was one that towards the end of the day when Bolt came in, and he just glided the ball between the steps perfectly deliberately. It was like you would do if you were trying shot. to take a single in a one day in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, exactly. But better than that because yeah. of the circumstances. And yeah, Jeremy was making the point before. It was it was the way he worked the ball around the field. It was a three sixty degree innings. Yeah. He, you know, you could if you wanted to be critical. He's not critical, but if you wanted to pick holes in what he did last week, it was one gear. Right, he was yeah. trying to pop the ball in the crowd. He was directed to do so after the ham and cheese toasty and the pep talk yep. from Ben Stokes and the Chilean speech from uh, from. Um, <laughs> Baz McCullum and all the rest of it yeah. but this was nothing like that and yet he scored at a similar clip yes yes it was similar I mean it's a, it, he didn't go to a ball so after T at Trent Bridge he sort of went thrashing yeah. and everything yeah. started hitting sixes here he just kept a kind of steady run a ball I mean what is it 130 off about 120 balls or off something, 126 it? overnight yeah right well there you go and he slowed down a little bit towards the back end didn't he as he, as he did then play for stumps as keeping an eye on that. And I think actually, in a way, he might even be sort of playing for Jamie Overton. Because well, well, let's get into that. Let's get into some of the um, rarities and oddities here, shall we? Mm, so it's the, it's the highest seventh wicket partnership for England ever. Amazing. They've played a fair bit of test cricket. Uh, it's the highest score for a number eight already with Overton in test cricket. On debut. And on debut as well, yeah. to make it even better. Sorry, no. uh, number eight on debut, right? You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but nevertheless, he's 11 away from a ton at the yeah. first time of asking. Uh, it's best as I mentioned before, 400s in 2022. Uh, it's the highest partnership for two players coming in for the seventh wicket. Or beyond. Or beyond. 
when the score was under 100. Under 100 when they arrived. That's one of yours. And, and, and you know, what that is, that's a measure of comeback, comeback-ery. Bounce backability. Bounce backability. Stick-to-itiveness. Exactly, because they were 55 for six. And so if you then add 200 and whatever it currently is Well, they now, put on 209 in 223 two, rocks. 209. If you add 209 after you were 55 for six, imagine what that does to your opponents. I mean, it's... They must be shell shocked and utterly well, baffled. Well, look at Trent Bolt's, look at Trent Bolt's figures. I mean, he's had 73 runs taken from 16 overs. But he's ta- and he's also bowled the most dangerous spell in the history of Crick Viz's database. And it's, then Neil, Neil Wagner's got a one-day international analysis here: two for 53 from nine after a double wicket maiden to start. Bracewell <laughs> wasn't able to contain. Yeah. Went for 37 from four. Uh, we've all been critical of the selection, the conservative selection, batting down to eight at the expense of a spin-up. That's backfired already. It'll only get worse through the five days. Uh, and then Tim Southey, who we neglected to mention, nicked off Joe oh, Root. Bold a beauty to get Bold rid of Root. Bold a beauty to get rid of Joe Root. Yeah. He's taken one for 78 from 17. So they have taken a pasting, and it'll take some bouncing back from them now, which we have seen they can do, to be fair. Oh, throughout this series, they've done that. I mean, that's why this, this series has been absolutely nuts. Yeah. Because... You know, it began with New Zealand 39 for six at lunch at Lords. And <laughs> That's they, right, and they lost and a by, wicket yeah. straight after uh, but by uh, the, 45 for seven or something. By the end of the day, they were right back in it. And, yeah. uh, you know, because they'd, they'd bundled England out virtually. Uh, and, and they should have won that game. They set England a, a target that hadn't been achieved at Lords before. Mm. Uh, then at Trent Bridge, they were, you know, they scored 553. There's no way you lose that game. So, look, New Zealand are perfectly capable of bouncing back. I, I want to ask a question, though, of you. We had a lot of talk about in ODIs. You know, who's going to be the first side to score 500 in an ODI? England mm. kept very close against the Netherlands, falling two runs short. And I put to you that I think England are going to score 500 in a day in a test match before they score 500 in an ODI. Because <laughs> the way they're batting, like, if they get the 90 overs in, that's five and a half and over. I mean, you can see they're that doing happening, five you? and a half, and they're trying to do five and a half. You know, when Stokes came out to bat, I, I, I found the innings completely baffling, but it was with as part of a piece of tempo, and that tempo, trying to get that tempo to five, five and a half and over. We, we were talking, it wasn't that long ago. Well, I mean, it was like yesterday, that four and over, that's a really impressive scoring rate. Well, well it's interesting you raised that. So upstairs in the press box, a couple of our colleagues, George DeBell and Vish, were talking about, when did Australia start trying to score at four and over in Test cricket under Steve Waugh? Mm. It was around the 0203 Ashes or thereabouts. For about two or three years there, they'd consistently have days of scoring at four and over, and that was their benchmark. McCullum's changing the rules on this, and it's a lot to store in one man, I get that, but he's providing the the freedom and the flexibility for them to play that way. And yes, I think Phil Walker described it as, um, uh, I forget the term he used now, but it it was an innings from Stokes that was, was, there was a plan to it. It was measured madness because of what you're saying. Even though it looked ridiculous when he gets out, chipping to mid off, backing away to Wagner from his second ball after swishing at the first one. And it, it gives the impression of a player who's out of control. In a way, he knew what he was doing. He was just trying to get them back at a place where they could go again. And had he yeah. remained in the middle with Besto, he'd probably not add 150 or, or something himself. You well, know, it's, but, it's about wanting to be on the front foot all the time with the bat, isn't it? I yeah, think. yeah, that's I what think I'm trying to say. They want exactly, to be, exactly that. When they want to be transferring pressure back at all times. Exactly, with the bat. But with the ball, there was something a little weird because the day started, I mean, this feels like a decade oh. ago. I haven't but, even mentioned no. the Dazzler's third hundred well, on the trot. Well, exactly. We'll so, get there. So, promise so you. Mitchell, Mitchell's got various records now. He's got three hundreds in the first three test matches of the series. It is only a three-test series, but only Bradman has done that in England yep. before. 
which is amazing. He's got more runs than, than he's up to nearly 500 runs or so in the series. It's yeah, quite it's the most for New Zealand against England in England. That's right, beating uh, Donnelly. And beating Martin Donnelly from 1949. That was going to be in the Hall of Fame, but we'll skip yeah. over that. Yep. Sorry, we, got, we had Bert Sutcliffe okay. in there. The yep. Illustrious names uh, throughout. It was amazing stuff. But, but England began the day in what felt like quite good bowling conditions, quite muggy. They started with Jamie Overton bowling bouncers at one end, but Potts, who's been in England's best bowler, yeah. causing real problems at the far end. They, he induced a couple of, uh, of chances that were both put down. The catching from both sides has been poor. New Zealand dropped a, a chance or two. Mitchell dropped a chance. Uh, since Lords, when everyone caught flies, uh, chances have just gone begging. But to watch that tactic, it just didn't make any sense for 40 minutes. Broad, unused. And then when he did come in, he instantly created a chance. Then we had the great Farrago of him trying to get the ball changed. The moment he <laughs> did get the ball changed, well, hang on, let's go back a bit because we've got Blundell's, right. we've got Blundell's dismissal. Can we please unpack well, that? Well, well, Blundell's dismissal, also probably a candidate for the Hall of Fame. We're running through them. Oh, yeah. Um, look, put it this way. I'm glad Potts had a bit of luck break his way. Running up that hill, Kate Bush style, from the football stand-in throughout the course of the, uh, the, the two days, he couldn't have bowled any better, I don't think. It was like we were watching two different games. Jamie yeah. Overton banging it in from one end with the second new ball and birthday boy Broad standing at mid-on, not yeah. bowling, explicably. And down the other end, Pot's doing everything right. He has enhanced his reputation yet again in the last two oh, days. I think he's bowled better here than at any other stage yeah. of the test career. He took all those wickets at Lords, but you know he was going at one and a quarter, one and a half and over when England's attack looked like it really was missing Anderson, to be honest with you. Yeah. He bowled absolutely superbly and without any luck. And then he finally got a piece of luck. I say a piece of luck. It might have been, it might have been out on review uh, otherwise, but DRS went down for nine balls. <laughs> and in that time, he trapped Blundell LBW, given out by Kettleborough. He would definitely have reviewed it. Yeah. And, you know, when we saw it on the, uh, on, the, on the replay screen, there was a hint of leg sidiness, to be brutally honest with it, you. It is, it, is, it is going down more and more often, isn't it? Mm. I, I don't think I'm imagining that, that I've been at many games where DRS is on the blink. By the way, Jack Leach just walked past a moment ago. Jack Leach, a five-wicket haul. Yes. Uh, a really important spell. I think performance full stop. Seven wickets, 70 against New Zealand coming into this test. He could have been dispensed with, not necessarily immediately, but you can see where the, where the story was mm. going with him. Too many get-out-of-jail deliveries, dragging it down. He looked profligate throughout the Trent Bridge test, despite taking a couple of wickets in the second dig. But, you know, five for 100-odd here, it could change mm. his summer. It could do. I mean, the last three wickets were all caught in the deep, but that was a testament actually to him tossing it up a bit more, getting a bit more flight, a bit more guile. And when the tailenders went after him, they just weren't quite there, weren't quite at the ball. A couple of incredible catches taken amidst all that as well. I think his confidence took a huge boost by getting a wicket with his first ball. But also, what an important role he's going to play in the second innings because England's bowling attack without Stokes you know he's there as an all-rounder and if he's not going to bowl you've got Potts who bowled brilliantly that's why it's so important he bowled well and then you've got Overton who's going to bang it in bowl abroad they need Leach to be able to bowl lots of overs and that was what you saw in England's innings because without Ajaz Patel you know Kane Williamson had to rotate Wagner Southey bolt Wagner Southey bolt yeah. and there comes a point when they get a little bit less effective and uh, that was what was happening, especially against the counter-attack. Uh, you know, it seems like a fairly brainless selection when you, when you think about it now, to leave out Patel. But there's been so much weird cricket in this game that I just think it's sort of 
it's enhanced it. The, the more mad the selections, the better. Can we just bounce back to the end of the day briefly for a moment? We yeah. haven't really touched on Jamie Overton's innings. No, what on a boo, He's on 89. I mentioned before, 114 men have made 100 at the first time of asking. The last player for England was Ben Folks, who also walked past a moment ago. Um, I mean, obviously picked as a frontline seamer, but showing that, I mean, these weren't, these weren't tail ender runs. Uh, he's oh, he's no. a, he, I mean, he looks like the kind yeah. of guy who could mature into a proper test number eight and give them so a serious option. He's averaged 37 in first class cricket in his last three years. Yeah. yeah. So he is, he, he's not um, a bowler who can bat a bit. He's a bowler with a high ceiling. And you could see that. We saw some split screens on the TV today when we saw how, for example, Crawley and Pope were playing the moving ball. Yep and how Overton did. Now, in fairness, you know, the ball was a little bit older. It wasn't swinging quite as much, but he was at the crease pretty damn early because it was 55 for six the and about 12th over. 12, 12, it was 12, the 12th, 12th, over. 12th over. So, you know, that's a new ball he's facing, basically. Against bolt bowling the spell of his life. Yeah. And, and he uh, got through it. And he got through it. And he got through it by playing late and by playing with his bat and pad close together and by playing with a, a straight bat. Basically, by playing a little bit like Daryl Mitchell. But he's kind of bigger, he's, he's more powerful. And he played some beautiful shots to start with. And then as his innings progressed and matured, he chanced his arm every now and then and he connected. I mean, there were two shots that actually sent a shiver down my spine. There were two pool shots from there. That honestly, Don't people... take another one on your Hall of Fames here. So You're about to do it, aren't you? Okay, I'll wait. Yeah, you continue, to... continue. Well, you, you know people say that's gone off like a firecracker. And well, it really did. I was, I was sat on the balcony up there having a cheeky fag, watching down the scene. Uh, sort of half distractedly and then there was this incredible noise of ball hitting bat and it was and i thought that must be best though but why is everyone clapping it was a shot to bring up his 50. yes and it was amazing it was it flew into the well into that part of the western terrace it was an amazing shot and it was a proper shot in that spirit let's take a beat and prepare for the final word hall of fame this is the Final Word Hall of Fame, where we find the most Final Word moment of the day, and it's all brought to you by the Advanced Hair Studio. They're the champions in hair restoration. More than a million people have used their service across the last 30 years. 100% guaranteed that we can bring some confidence oh, back. You're lacking in confidence. I am lacking I'm in confidence. I'm always saying that. I'm a shrinking People violet. are always saying, with a bit yeah. more, if you had a few more locks, well, I, 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 you could, could really uh, I been fulfill your potential. I could have been I could have been Mark Nicholas. I could have been Ramiz Raja. <laughs> I could have been. I could have been Jeremy Coney. I could run my fingers what do you think, through Jeremy? my lustrous hair. Oh, oh, I'm trying to bring you, know? you in. And trying to. We're, we are going to recruit you to the Advanced Hair Studio Please, program. Look. There is a 15% discount. All you need to do is go to advancedhairstudio.com forward slash final word. From there, you pump in your name and you get your referral, and it all happens. One of their experts will be in touch for a 15% discount, which is a decent oh, whack of money oh. off what they're, you know, off what you're getting. And you can, well, have hair like me, the best hair in the M25, <laughs> as opposed to uh, suppose Daniel, that, who doesn't have the best yeah, hair in the M25. Yeah, it's sort of shabby, wispy nonsense, which, uh, yeah, has always kept me off the TV screens. Right, today, I'm going to point to, speaking of huge sixes into the Western Terrace, when Jamie Overton, on, I think it was three times in one over from Wagner, kept opening up the leg side oh. and trying to plonk him over there. And the third one, the sound it made, it went 20 rows back, the joy in the Terrace when he made contact, and it was a slap down the ground a couple of overs later from yep. him as well. I mean, you know, it, it, we're usually looking for quirky things, but as far as a guy on debut playing like that with that freedom, wow. we've already gone on about him a little bit, but How I just love that one shot. You know, on oh. test, you think, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go over here, <laughs> go leg side and twat him into, you know, like you're not meant to do that. But Jamie no. Overton is making quite the impression. So that's my starting point.
I think that's a very, I think that's a fair one. I'm going to add one other. I want to, I want to throw in a Johnny Bairstow catch. Oh yeah, the, the Stokes and Bairstow catches. The, the, well, the, the Bairstow catch for me was it was just fantastic. It went up in the air, and poor old Johnny, because it was in the air for so long, just about over there, long off, and it swirled, and he and he also he almost went round 360 degrees trying to find its exact path, and didn't get it quite right, but made amends by diving full face and taking absolute blinder. And uh, yeah, and it was great fun. Because was that the one that gave Leach his fifth, or was that maybe uh, his fourth? Yeah, it was his fifth, it was fifth wasn't it? Yeah, yeah the, I, the, think, I was... think the fourth was the one that Stokes took just before lunch to get rid of Mitchell on 109. I could say, by the way, passing Donnelly, Martin Donnelly has been a final word favourite on Storytime over the journey, so he's in the Hall of Fame as well for that. And the fact that Daryl Mitchell could also do it with some advanced hair treatment. It all puts a nice bow on it, doesn't it? Really it really does. He would be perfect man for the job. Yeah. forward slash final word. You know what? Yeah. That's it for us. We've got a curry to get to. Adam Collins, Daniel Norcross. This has been the final word. If you enjoy what we do, patreon.com forward slash the final word. And we'll do it all again tomorrow. A test match, which is fascinating, brilliant, bonkers. Couldn't ask for anything more. Good night. Good night. I had to go about it.